back to the Northeast Newscast. On this week's episode, we're joined by Neighborhood Services Department Director Forrest Decker. We discuss upcoming programs to help neighborhoods accomplish their goals and the recently awarded Rebuild KC grants. This episode of the Northeast Newscast was made possible by Shemeika's Online Market in Delhi and Seaberg Mufflers. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, well, yeah, I'm Forrest Decker. I'm the Director of Neighborhood Services for the City of Kansas City. And what what is that role like in the day-to-day? What exactly is your position, I guess? So, yeah, so I, I direct uh, um, one of the major departments of the city, uh, specifically under um, neighborhood services or um, neighborhood preservation. So, like, the code enforcement teams throughout the city, um, regulated industries that regulates, you know, any any state-regulated product like tobacco or alcohol or scrap metal or adult entertainment, um, cig- cigarettes, I guess I already said, but things like that, any any regulated product that is sold or business licenses associated with it. Um, dangerous buildings. So as the if there's any buildings that could be dangerous, uh, that group of people, you know, inspects buildings, arranges for their demolition if the owner cannot repair or it's beyond that point. Um, BizCare, KC BizCare, uh, falls under neighborhoods. Um, they assist uh, small businesses with business licensing throughout the city, um, do some uh, economic development programs along with small businesses. Uh, 311 that everybody's probably familiar with, you call 311 to report anything and everything. So 311 is part of our department along with Data KC that um, does a lot of like the performance measurements and stuff like that with departments. Um, a lot of the statistical analysis around programs through all departments in the city. Uh, also does the resident survey that people get, you know, through email and paper copies, things like that. Um, Data KC manages uh, that that survey and those results and and how that is disseminated. Um, what else is part of our department? Let me think. <laughs> That's quite a bit. Um, we, we've kind of changed the focus of the department. We used to be neighborhood and housing services combined. And, uh, you know, part of the mayor and the city council's emphasis was to create a lot more emphasis around the housing issues that we have in Kansas City. So in doing that, they broke off housing into its own department. At that time, you know, neighborhoods was kind of revisioned and a few additional divisions added to it that had been, you know, either in the city manager's office or in other departments or things like that. Um, to create uh, the vision of a more uh, community engagement oriented type department. So, you know, going forward, um, one of the things we've been working on and and kind of our, our long-term vision is to be uh, less of an enforcement oriented department and more of an engagement and solutions oriented and collaborative department. So that's, that's probably a longer answer than you were looking for, but um, just kind of a brief a really brief rundown of our department. Uh, so it sounds like a lot of your departments work a lot in Northeast. You know, I I make 311 requests weekly, at least. I know a lot of other people do. Dangerous buildings, you know, our neighborhood is aging. <laughs> so we do a lot with crumbling um, houses, businesses, things like that, that have kind of been um, left uncared for for a yeah. long time. We can start with just the housing, uh, the neighborhood services department in general. Is there anything that Northeast residents should know coming up? Um, well, let me think. 
So we have a couple of new programs that are going to come out um, in November that I've I've really spoke about them publicly a couple of times. I went to a fifth district meeting the other night. Um, I'd love to get up to the Northeast and speak to, you know, Scared or one of the groups up there is about it as well, but we'll be putting out some social media about it. Um, so we have a program um, we're calling a neighborhood neighborhood advocacy program. One of the one of the ways that we change that we're we work to change the focus of our department is we created a new career track called a community engagement specialist. So <clears throat> we have a community engagement specialist positions. We have community engagement managers to manage those specialists uh, in the hierarchy as well. But um, as we move forward with hiring those, which we're we're just hiring our first four right now, but our goal is over the next year to have about 48 of those. They will be assigned to groups of neighborhoods. They will work directly with the neighborhood leaders to form um, like action items, basically. And this goes back, I'd love to take credit for this, but back when I first started with the city almost 20 years ago, we had a program at the time called Clean Sweep that was kind of the inspiration, I guess, for what I'm trying to do here, where we went into a neighborhood, um, kind of created a list of needs, and then departments kind of swept through and took care of those needs. And those were mostly, you know, more aesthetic type stuff at that time. It was, you know, they needed tree trimming, they needed, you know, new stoplights, they needed some new curbs, they needed streetlights fixed, things like that. Well, with this program, we want to take it a little beyond that. I mean, not that those things aren't important, and in some neighborhoods, those will be their biggest needs or more infrastructure oriented needs, but also, um, you know, more programmatic type things too. the community engagement specialist will then act as the neighborhood's advocate and work with other city departments to either accomplish the goals of the neighborhood or get answers back as to why or what is needed to accomplish those goals. I mean, I have no doubt that there will be some requests that are that are huge that can't obviously be accomplished in a weekend or a you know or a, or work week or anything like that but they will continue to follow up and basically like I said act as the advocates for that neighborhood um, with other city departments just kind of a streamlined process rather than going through 311 and making 15 different 311 requests and and then following up with 15 different departments on that and everything else you know so I think that'll be a big benefit. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll be getting more information out about that. Uh, we're also uh, uh, going to be a, in November um, releasing a program uh, called the Private Abatement Assistance Program. So basically what this is, is we're, we're trying to reduce the amount of <clears throat> um, summons that we write and people that we take to court that really have no means of resolving their issues. You know, people that, you know, live below the the economic threshold to be able to afford to fix their issues or they're, you know, they're physically unable to to clear the weeds out of their yard or clear the junk out of their yard, things like that. Um, so we've set aside some, the council set aside some funds in this in the budget this year for the next uh, couple years to um, perform assistance, an assistance program for people like that. Now we've kind of narrowed that down to where we're gonna focus on the LIFEX zones as defined by the city's health department, which take into account a whole bunch of different things. They take into account, you know, access to healthy food, uh, life expectancy, 
of residents within a zip code. And I think they have those broken down by census tract now. It used to be zip code, but they just released a report last week that breaks them down even further. Um, the economic, you know, wealth of the of the neighborhood or the census zone. So there's a lot of different factors in there that basically lead themselves to these are the areas that need the most most help and the most assistance. So that that's another pretty pretty cool program. Um, we're still kind of developing the geographic boundaries of that a little bit, but that'll be driven by um, by cases. People call in the three one one about an issue in their neighborhood. Um, you know, peeling paint tall weeds, cars parked over the yard. I mean, just whatever the issue happens to be. And then we will work with, with that resident to try to resolve those issues. And we have some funds that we can use to try to kind of give people, I, I don't like to look at it as a handout. I like to look at it as kind of a hand up. It's not something where we're going to come and mow somebody's lawn every two weeks for a year, but more of a program to get a property back on its feet, get it back into shape. Um, and then work with them to, to, to continue to maintain the property themselves. So those are, you know, no, not just Northeast, but citywide type programs, so. Yeah, I think that the second one's a really interesting idea, especially, you know, we have Jerusalem Farms and Maddie Roads here, and they were actually yeah. a recipient of one of the Rebuild KC grants sure were. for that type of work. Let's talk about Rebuild KC. Tell me a little okay. bit about the process in general. Well, so this was a really, a really fast process whenever we first started it. Um, um, you know, with the, with the city set aside, the council set aside through ordinance some, some money for, from the ARPA, from the American Rescue Plan funds that the, city, that the city received over two different tranches. So out of the second tranche, the city dedicated uh, up to $15 million for the rebuild program. We kind of threw that that out um, to start taking applications for a wide variety of stuff, for economic development programs, for home repair, for workforce development, for blight remediation, for houselessness um, assistance, you know, just a wide range of things. And I will, I will caveat that by saying, I won't say that that was a mistake to do it that way, but it was something we did not have the entire federal guidelines as to what was eligible for the use of those funds yet. And in fact, those guidelines seem to change like every three months. So we get a whole new handbook like every three months. So it's kind of a constantly revolving thing. So, you know, anticipating maybe one of your questions going down the road here, not everything that was submitted was eligible for what we could use federal funds for. Um, but anyway, so we, Threw that out in January, we accepted applications and, and I don't have this pulled up, so I'm kind of going from memory a little bit, but through the end of March, I believe. And then we started um, breaking those down and reviewing them uh, by their eligibility, um, by a set of criteria, which I'd be happy to go over in more detail if you'd like um, later. And uh, then making recommendations to the council with the council made, uh, made their awards um, in, I believe, late August. And since then, we have been diligently meeting with each of the um, initial award recipients. So, Great. And you said it was a pretty fast process, but um, I believe the city said it was over like 4,000 hours of staff hours. Well, you know, it, was, it was, yeah, it was a quick process to release it, put it that way. Yeah, no, not to do the review. No, I had, uh, we had, uh, 
I think we ended up with over with like 25 or 26 different staff members working on this for four and a half months to go through all these applications because um, we received a, we received 1,215 applications total. Wow. And, you know, in order to give each of them, you know, the attention that they all deserved, we, we had to read all of those. I mean, I, I don't know if any one person read them all, but I, I bet I read over a thousand in the process. I, maybe I read them all, but you know, I did, I did at least read through every single one um, as they were coming in. And then, uh, you know, at the end, they came in so fast, I probably did miss a few, but you know, at least three or four different people read every application. So. And of those, you know, 1200 proposals, I think 210 got selected, right? And those 211, were- I think, yeah. Okay. But- Yep. Those were over a variety of categories. What are some of those um, categories that those fell into? So some of the categories, um, affordable housing, we, we did award, you know, quite a few for affordable housing. We awarded a few arts and culture type programs, um, but all of those had kind of a, I will say the arts and culture programs all had kind of a secondary benefit of blight remediation as well, or in the case of at least one of them, I know, uh, workforce development as well. Um, business, uh, we did, uh, at least one business property investment. We did, uh, quite a few community gardening, um, initiatives and the community gardening ones that we did are, are, you know, they're, they're pretty interesting to me because I've been involved with that with Kansas city for quite a while, clear back to my parks and recreation days. And it kind of goes back to, you know, my initial biology degree that I got out of high school with, um, you know, the sustainable, anything sustainability related is really important to me. Most of the community garden gardening ones that we um, that we ended up recommending were kind of more community wide based programs. Um, there were a couple of them that were more neighborhood based, but most of them were more larger community based programs. Uh, we awarded uh, some in the category of digital divide. Um, we awarded some a few infrastructure ones. Um, we initially had you know, thought about a little bit more on the infrastructure side, but we kind of pared that down to projects that related more to like our other city programs we had going on, like our Vision Zero program or something along those lines. And I know Vision Zero has been used in two different programs recently. So I'm talking about more of the bike ped sure. type program. <laughs> um, so we did some some tree planting. We awarded a couple of tree planting um, a lot of a lot of them that we were awarded, though the majority were more in the neighborhood capacity building, blight remediation, um, neighborhood programming, um, home repair. That was the biggest single category, as a matter of fact, and uh, a few in the area of public safety. So workforce development, youth programming. I mean, yeah, it's there's a lot of different categories that we awarded. Yeah, awarded grants in, and. Uh, you know, and that was, I won't, I won't really say that that was by design. That's kind of how they shook out with the, um, with the review process and the impact of each one of the programs. We weren't, we didn't go into it looking to, you know, say that we were going to award X percentage of workforce development or X percentage of sustainability or anything like that. Um, so it's just kind of how they, how they shook out and their impact on the communities and the neighborhoods around them. So. That's great. And it seems like I think five or six are coming to Northeast or will have a direct impact on Northeast Kansas City. Uh, specifically, the one that probably will have the most immediate 
visual effect is the um, Jerusalem Farms and Maddie Roads doing neighborhood repair and blight remediation. Yeah. And Jerusalem Farms has been doing that for years. And now that Maddie Roads is kind of shifting to include housing solutions, you know, what has your conversation been like for them as they move forward with this project? Yeah. So, so that is a, that is a great project. And it, one of the things that, you know, that attracted me personally, I guess, to that project, um, not that I did all the review and selection of it, but was it how well it falls in line with the program I told you about initially, the private property assistance program and the neighborhood advocacy program. The, the grant specifically was, um, is for home repair, you know, minor home repairs for people that literally just can't afford it. Um, so that they can stay in their houses and not have to not have to move out. But it's that is part of a larger program um, that Maddie Rhodes is administering to provide a lot more wraparound type services along with that. Um, you know, services such as, um, you know, drug abatement, um, employment assistance, you know, any uh, just what the whole gamut of things that Maddie Rhodes does. So that's that's kind of the benefit is, you know, there we're funding a little piece of it, but then it is a much, a much wider program. And that was not just with that program, but that's what really attracted us to a lot of them. I mean, a lot of the awards that we gave, and I'll just throw out a number, you know, $50,000 award was part of a million dollar overall program. So we looked at how our grant funds that we awarded under this program leveraged a larger scale program. That was that was one of our categories or one of our criteria. But the Maddie Rose Jerusalem Farm Project, yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, you know, I've I've spoken to them further about, you know, once we kind of get through through this stage and get and get them rolling on kind of this program with us, of you know, the Jerusalem farms folks carrying that into other parts of the city. I mean, if if we had 10 organizations like that spread geographically throughout the city, think of the impact we could make. And they seem, they seem very amenable to doing that. So that may be a, that may be an added future benefit of this program as we go forward. So it's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shemekas online market in Delhi offering catering and nationwide shipping at shemekasonline.com. Find their new Delhi at 16th and Swift in North Kansas city. Shemekas where customers become friends and friends become family. From classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974, Armour Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. And now back to the newscast. That's great. And um, Likens was also the recipient of one of those grants for, again, neighborhood repair and blight remediation. Uh, mm-hmm. Likens has kind of been thinking outside the box, at least in the Northeast, uh, for how they can rehab properties, keep people housed, all those sorts of things. They've been kind of a leader in those new ideas and kind of taking it on themselves and going forward with it. Um, You know, what kind of projects have they talked about specifically with you? So we have not met with Likens about this specific project yet. Um, I've met with Likens multiple times over the past year since I've been in office or nearly a year, um, just about what they have done in Likens, you know, as far as getting a getting homes out of the the dangerous building category or the vacant vacant building category and getting them into a, a viable home ownership program and providing more housing options and things like that. 
their their grant like i said we haven't we have not had our meeting with them yet um specifically but um from what i remember of it they are basically going to carry that model into some of the surrounding neighborhoods around lichens so but kind of expand their they feel like in talking with uh, greg lombardi and uh, lichens that they they've kind of fixed all the housing stock in lichens at this point that they that they can and so they're wanting to expand that model outward which is you know another kind of a cross goal not only of my department but of our housing department as well i mean we we need more not just a, not even just affordable housing we obviously need a lot of affordable housing in kansas city but just housing in general i mean we're in a we have housing issues not just and i don't think it's just in kansas city i think it's just everywhere right now with buildings slowing down for so long and and the cost of buildings um you know skyrocketing due to some of the supply chain issues with covid and workforce issues and things like that but you know the the lichens model focuses more on on the affordable housing which is our biggest need in kansas city so in talking to lichens um i guess neighborhood board leaders uh, we were at a house fire the other day in Lichens, and it was okay. abandoned homes that hadn't been properly boarded up. It eventually burned. It was no surprise to them. But they were saying that by the end of the year, Lichens will have um, either sent a letter to all absentee property owners or actually started the process of taking them to court for some of those things on every single vacant house. And yeah, I think that amazing. is incredible for a neighborhood association to do. That is absolutely amazing. Yep. And we would love to see that spread across all the neighborhoods in Northeast, especially those south of the avenue um, that have so much vacant housing. Yeah. Yep. I would too. I'd love to see it spread through a lot of the city. So, um, and we have other neighborhood associations in the city that, you know, not through the rebuild process necessarily, but just in general are, are trying to kind of emulate that. They're in various stages of that. Um, you know, we work a lot with uh, Legal Aid of Western Missouri, who the Lichens president used to work for and, you know, learned a lot of his craft uh, through them. And so they have very similar ideals and, and goals and everything. But we uh, um, we actually uh, uh, pay Legal Aid of Western Missouri to work with uh, the neighborhoods of Kansas City um, directly. They don't they don't even work for me, even though I even though I pay their contract, they work directly for the neighborhoods to do exactly what Likens is doing but you know there's only a couple of them and there's a lot of neighborhoods so yeah we're looking at different ways to try to expand that program and awarding a uh, rebuild grant to Likens was one of those so that they can hopefully expand their borders a little bit i think that's great i mean i live in indian mound and we work with brandon at legal aid and yeah yep. he's done great things to help our neighborhood yep. uh because you know we're most of us are volunteers and so we're not professionally um equipped to do some of these things um right kind of moving away from the home repair and stuff well i guess not really even so the early start um program won a grant to fix up the sarah rector mansion which yep. is a really really cool story for those who haven't heard it they can see it on our website <laughs> but we've been wondering for years what was going to happen to that house and now to know that it's being fixed up with some help from the city. Um, have you talked to them about their plans yet? Um, I haven't talked to them yet. Um, we've we've got some of the other departments um, working on these with us as well. I think that is one that we asked the housing department to work on for us. Um, 
just so we, I, did, I didn't want to try to have to do every single grant out of the neighborhoods department or else it would have taken us like six months to get these off the ground. So we, you know, we've recruited, so to speak, <laughs> some other departments to assist us with it. But no, but I, I, I am familiar with the, with the project and uh, I do look forward to, to seeing what they can do there. I think it was, it sounded like a fantastic uh, amenity to the, to the surrounding area. So um, I'll have to read your article. I didn't know you had done one on that. So. Oh yeah. Um, I think for black history month one year, we did like all the um, famous black Kansas mm -hmm. that are from Northeast. So okay. that was Sarah cool. Rector was like considered the first black millionaire, I think in the city or something I believe like that. So. Something, yeah. uh, something close to that. Yep, maybe yeah. I did read your article. I remember I remember reading something <laughs> about that recently. So So there was one point of clarification we had. An mm -hmm. award was given to the Northeast neighborhoods. And we don't really know who that is. I've talked yeah, to the presidents, they don't know who it is. Right, right. Um, yeah, so that was that was a typo on the award. So whenever we whenever we print or threw those out for the for the public and everything, we left everything in the columns that the applicant had put in there. And sometimes they mixed a few up. So that that's actually a partnership with um, Boys and Girls Club to revitalize the uh, Maybe Community Center. So at 4th and Woodland, I believe. Okay. So. Oh, great. So yeah, we, Northeast will have a Boys and Girls Center eventually. That's what I, it sounds I, like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, I think they had put... Um, I think they had meant whenever they filled out their application to put area affected as the Northeast neighborhood. We we should have changed that. So I apologize for the confusion there. So we'll get that switched around to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So and then um, we're looking forward to some of the other, you know, community building things that were awarded in Northeast, like the Don Bosco Center. They recently mm -hmm. finished their um, community center upgrade, or I guess. They redid the entire thing. It's really nice in there, but they're going to have youth programming, which is great. And then yes. Healing House is working on their old hall for community programs. Um, two very different, but very necessary organizations in yep. Northeast. Yep, absolutely. No, those are both great programs. So there were, there were so many great programs. Um, those were those were two great ones. No, no, the Northeast area uh, really had some great applications for the rebuild program. So, so now that the awards are all decided, everything's closed, but you have a stack of ideas on your desk. <laughs> Is there any thought toward the future of moving forward with some of those other applicants? Absolutely, I'll talk. Uh, I'll talk about that in a kind of two aspects. Um, first off, yeah, we have a stack of you know still a thousand, uh, literally a thousand um, applicants. Um, out of those, you know, there were, I will say this, out of the initial 1,200, um, about 600 of them were applications that were not eligible under the federal guidelines. So, you know, there was not that they weren't good ideas because they were, and I'll talk a little bit more about those in a minute, but out of the ones that were eligible still, um, you know, there's still, you know, 300 or so left on that list that were directly eligible for ARPA funds. Um, we are we are going to do a second round of ARPA. Um, the council uh, approved uh, about $14.3 million worth of awards in the first round. We actually have uh, $15.7 available. So there's a little over a million dollars left. Um, 
before we threw that out there or, or did any recommendations on that, I wanted to get through all of the initial awards because some of them are changing amounts slightly. The council awarded them as a not to exceed amount. But as we meet with people and start going through um, exactly what they're doing, we're finding that a few of the things in our application maybe weren't eligible for federal funding. So we've reduced a few and nothing significant. I think the most we've reduced one is like $1,100 or something like that. So, but a few of them, we have had to pop out a few of the things that they had in their application. And in some cases, you know, they, they applied for an amount, um, not really knowing exactly what something would cost. And now that they've come back with us and got a real cost estimate, it's a little lower than what they initially applied for in some cases. So, so I don't know exactly how much funding we will have available come December. I'm guessing in the area of 1.1 to $1.3 million. Um, we're not gonna go back out for additional applications because we had so many great applications in the first round. So we're gonna just kind of continue down our list of how, how they ended up being ranked at the end of our review process and go to the next, however many it takes to fill up that amount. I will take that back to council seek council approval on that and we will start this process all over again so <laughs> with all the meetings and the and the contract development and everything like that now a lot of the ones that weren't eligible for our for the arpa funding or that just don't meet you know didn't score high enough or didn't rate high enough for to make our our finalist lists or anything um what we've been doing is kind of going through and lumping those into kind of some light categories and I'll, I'll give you one very specific example that we just did a couple of weeks ago. Um, we, there were a lot of applications for sidewalk repairs, um, which sidewalk repairs, unless they were directly tied with stormwater runoff, were not an eligible category under ARPA. Um, and there were a few that were directly tied to stormwater runoff, but the vast majority of them weren't. I think we ended up with like 110 uh, sidewalk applications that would not have been eligible for for federal funds. So in meeting with the public works director, um, he he was very interested in that list because he works off, you know, just like most of the rest departments off 311 requests. A lot of these were not ever reported to 311 or were not ever on any of the city list to be repaired. So he has staff right now out evaluating um, those 110 applications that for sidewalk repairs. A lot of them, um, and I don't have specific numbers, just talking with him in passing recently, um, a lot of them were already on their three-year sidewalk repair program. So in essence, those people are getting their, they're getting their grant request. Um, they're just not getting a check because that's something that the city already has an existing program for. Um, there were some others as well. There were like, another good example is there were, um, quite a few applications, more than I thought there would have been for solar energy. Uh, well, the city has a solarized KC um, program going on right now. So a lot of those we've just referred to that. Uh, the minor home repair was probably one of the best examples and one of the first kind of indicators I saw out of that. We already have a minor home repair program in Kansas City. There was no, you know, no reason at all for efficiency sake to go out and try to work with 141 different applicants and try to do 141 different contracts when we already have that entire mechanism set up through our HUD funded minor home repair program. The issue with HUD is we don't get a lot of money for that every year 
and the money runs out really, really, really fast, like within the first month of the fiscal year. So, you know, in order to meet those needs, we just funded HUD, or not HUD, we funded the minor home repair program with a little more money to go ahead and, and put those through all the same process as the as the minor home repair program currently has. So, so but there are still a lot of other applications out there that don't necessarily lump that are really unique and, and awesome ideas. Um, and that's where our Office of Community Engagement comes in. Our staff in the Office of Community Engagement is going through those right now and seeing if they where they can make real obvious and easy connections, you know, with a application and a resource group that we already know exists. Uh, one last question. Is yep. there a time limit for people to use this money that has been awarded? There sure is. The, uh, and that's something we've been going through with every single uh, grant recipient. Um, all, all of our federal funds have to be expended by December 31st of 2024. So, so we have a little over two years. And, mo and most of the awards that we, that we gave out are, I, I would suspect most of them will be accomplished completely within a year. There are a few that will be a little longer term past that. And that was Forrest Decker, Neighborhood Services Department Director. Thanks for joining us. And thank you once again to our sponsors, Jamaica's Online Market and Deli and Seaburg Mufflers. For all our Northeast Newscast episodes, articles, and more, visit northeastnews.net. For the Northeast News, I'm Abby Hoover.